0: Well, that's it. The MotoGP season is over, and we get to do a podcast about it. Welcome to the Grace Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. It's that time of year. If you're a motorcycle racer, team owner, need some contracts done, you got to reach out to Alex Asante, Bike911.com. Maybe you've been in a motorcycle accident or you need some legal advice. Go to somebody who understands you, all right? Bike911.com. Check it out. I'm Greg White, and joining me is Jason Pridmore, who's sitting at his home in sunny, warm, Always bright, California.
1: What's up, JP? It is at the moment. What's up, G-Dub? I'm doing good. Just uh, had, sorry, we're not doing this till Thursday morning. I'm sure everybody's been, I'm sure all 10 of our fans have been waiting for us to get this thing out after MotoGP weekend and going into World Superbike weekend, a lot of stuff happening. And, uh, but yeah, I, I was, I wasn't, I didn't even get home till Tuesday night late, G-Dub, so that's why I couldn't kill it with you yesterday. So we're getting it done today. I know you've been on the road too, so Yeah. Yeah. I was in California Monday, Tuesday. It was 52 degrees and raining. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. See what you did? That's why it was so shitty because you flew in. I was in a golf tournament Monday and Tuesday and Tuesday, it just poured on us as well. So yeah. You, you, you California people cannot drive in the rain, bro. I mean. Oh, well, they can't drive in the dry.
0: So <laughs> what, what, <laughs> hope know do it, they have know what I think rain? it is because I've been in you know, Cali so much of my life. I, people, it, because it's sunny so much, they let their tires get bald and, mm. and then it rains and they just shoot off the off the racetrack <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> off the racetrack it's, that is
1: considered roads, yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I it's pretty gnarly, but it's all good. So yeah, you yeah, yeah, podcast, what's funny is you, you drive along, sorry, you drive along and you think, how did that just happen? Like you see a car right. out in the middle of a field and you go, There was literally a car out in the middle of this like dirt field, and I'm like, how can you screw up that bad? to get out there like it doesn't even make sense I it dominated my thoughts for like 20 minutes after I passed it I was like what is going on on some rural road out in the middle of nowhere don't even know how this car could have ended up where it did and I'm sitting there going how does that even happen so it does baffle the mind dude it, it really does. does it does yeah. yeah anyhow all right so we all talk
0: right. about the MotoGP finale we're going to talk about MotoGP fantasy because there was a come from behind victory there in was. fantasy which was pretty cool uh, we're also going to talk about the test that happened on Tuesday, when and and I'm going to explain all the, you know, just the switches of of teams and all that stuff because there's only one MotoGP rookie for 2023, and um, yeah, so he he's got that wrapped up before he even starts the season. <laughs> Congrats! And we're going to preview, yeah, we're going to preview a little bit of, of World Superbike as their penultimate round in Indonesia is happening this weekend. And that'll be it. So why don't we start some things off with a very difficult segment, Jay. News. There was so much news because ICMA was going on, but we're going to start off with news presented by Arai. All right. It's that time of year. Holiday season right around the corner. We're about a month and a half away from Christmas. I know you don't want to think about it, but you know what? You owe it to yourself to get yourself a great Christmas present. Why don't you go down to a local dealership and pick up an Arai helmet? Get it properly fitted to your head. Check the different models they have and unbelievable paint jobs. AraiAmericas.com. Go do some research. Check out why your head deserves an Arai. AraiAmericas.com. All right, Jason. So um, I was reading GP1.com and I caught up, and they caught up with uh, Ducati Sporting Director Paolo Travati at ICMA. If you don't know what EICMA is, EICMA is like the international motorcycle show where these days, everybody launches their next thing that they have coming down the pipe. It's a big deal. It's a couple days in Italy. So GP1 caught up with uh, Paolo Chabatti. And basically what he was saying was that Petrucci has an offer to ride with Barney for 2023, but Paolo would like Petrucci to stay in the States saying, quote, for Ducati, it's important to have a rider like him in America, unquote, and quote, in Superbike. However... And he means world superbike. We have riders like Basani, Alvaro, and Michael. So that's obviously Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Mm-hmm. Not having Danilo in America would be a problem since there isn't another rider of his level, unquote. Now, I posted that up on Twitter this morning, and I actually got a text message from J.D. Beach saying there's plenty of riders at his level. No, what he's uh-huh. saying is, is that there isn't another rider at Petrucci's level that's available to ride a Ducati. I mean, obviously, he knows that Jake Gagne is at Petrucci's level. That's, you know, and, and, and I know Aaron what you Peterson meant. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. 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 So, that, so I just wanted to clear that up because there, there was a question there, but, um, what do you think about of that? You know, I look, I, I don't know if I said it on the podcast but publicly, I've been saying that it kind of makes sense if Petrucci's going to come racing to race here and not in world Superbike based on the fact that he wants to do the 2024 Dakar, it wouldn't make any sense to end your season in November when you could end it the last week of September you know, all those things. So, But what are your thoughts on, on what uh,
1: Paolo had to say? A couple things. Uh, you know, when you look at the level of competition at World Superbike, there's 10 Jake Garniers over there. Do you know what I mean? So over yes. here, he's got to beat one of them. Over there, he's going to be on what would arguably the, be the third Ducati team, I guess you could say, probably, even though they're going to play it off like everybody's on the same stuff. And But the Barney Ducati is going to be the, you know, it's going to be probably behind – it's probably going to be the same level as Bassani's team, but Barney hasn't really done much. And I, I would think that if he was going to go race World Superbike, he'd want to be on the factory team uh, to know that he has all the, the chips in his side to be able to go compete for a championship. So I don't really know why he would want to go over there and be running 10th to 15th every weekend, uh, which is where I honestly think that that's probably where he would be. Um when he could come over here and have a chance to ride this new bike and have another shot at a championship, that would maybe elevate himself to get to that World Superbike side of things. Now, I'm not saying that he couldn't put in some good top fives or even maybe, you know, next year in World Superbike. But I definitely think that the Moto America gig would be a better gig for him. When you think about what even you're saying with the Dakar Rally in 20, going into what 24, I guess it would be G Dub. Yeah, he'd have plenty of time to get ready for that. I know it's something he wants to do. He talked to us about that. So, I mean, you know, I think that him being back in America is, is his best option. And I think that what Paulo's saying is for any available riders, there's not really anybody at that level right now that's available or readily available, available that we know. So yeah. they've pretty much got World Superbike covered at the moment. And I think that, you know, I think we'll end up seeing him back here. If he wants to race, this is where he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. That, that's what I think. Definitely. Um,
0: congratulations to Cody Kitchen. The American 16-year-old was at Aragon over the weekend. And he won the race and won the 2022 Yamaha R6 Cup in the Rookies Division. Jason, how important is it that we do have some Americans that are racing over in Spain and making a name for themselves?
1: I think it's great. I think that that's where everybody says that you have to go. A lot of people are, uh, you know, a lot of people say that we don't have a farm league or a place for these kids to grow, get better, and move forward and go on. Um, so the, the thing is, G-Dub, is I haven't really seen anybody go over there in the last, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, okay, because I'm just doing this off the cuff, but in the last 5, 10 years, who have we seen go to Europe and make a name for themselves going right through that that kind of farm league that they have over in Europe for, for younger riders. I don't, I'm still waiting for that one kid. Um, that's going to be able to come across. Maybe Cody's the kid where he's, he's doing a lot of his racing over in Europe and he's making a name for himself over there and he'll pop up on the world stage, even bigger and brighter. You know, that's still what I'm kind of waiting to see. I mean, this is great for, for Cody to do what he did at Aragon over the weekend. So, um, you know, considering he won the race and his class championship. So boy, it'd be great to see his name continue to shine bright over there and see an American go through that system and make it onto a bigger world stage at at one of the other, uh, you know, on one of the big world stage um, classes over there, you know? Yeah. But
0: the thing is, it's the same thing as it always is. He needs funding. He needs Mm -hmm. funding to get into a good team because over in Europe, so many people want to ride that it's more of a business. And these that's teams right. are out to to make some money and, and all that stuff. And there aren't many rides that are give given based on talent anymore. It just doesn't happen because it's for, it's the, difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The talent pool's so deep now in Spain and, and in Italy because you've had so many famous riders making a lot of money. And and that's what it is, right? Like people see Tiger Woods all those years ago and yeah. they see video of him because his dad shot video or his mom shot video of him when he was a little kid and you see it and then you see the amount of money that he's bringing in because that all that stuff is public and it's always the same way you know the the easiest way to attract parents to get their kids into a sport is to show that their kid could potentially make you know 10 million dollars a year or 5 million right. 30 million and uh you know that you you see that moto gp so the system over in europe is pretty well Pretty good foundation
1: because yeah. if you make it MotoGP, you're a millionaire many times over. Well, that's just the thing; is it's always going to be funding that's going to take place of what you need, and yeah. And I think that I think that even though there's a lot of great riding academies over there, and we've had a lot of American kids, it seems like go over there and Canadian kids. I know a few that have gone over. And I'm just still waiting to see how they're progressing, where they're going, and and uh, how much money it takes. Because you're exactly right. The second you pay for a ride, too second you pay for a ride, then that is kind of what the expectation is every year. And I'm hoping for a guy like Cody, you know, doing what he did, it'd be great if, the, if he could move forward and without having to come up with a lot of funding to do so. Yeah, uh,
0: well, we'll so, see. Um, it makes it harder. All right, Jay, so big news coming out. I think it was Monday or Tuesday uh, that Suzuki has a new parallel twin engine. They, they put it in uh, like one of their adventure touring bikes, but also they put it in this new GSX8S naked bike. And so there's been a lot of chatter, you know, through text messages and conversations with people. I've been talking to in Moto America that people are like, well, wait a second. It's a parallel twin. You know, this has got to be in in the Revit Twins Cup class. But I'm here to tell you, everybody's got to relax because the motor's not legal for twins. The mm. twins limit is a 700cc class and the motor is a 776 so as much as people want, pretty much, you know, just as much as people are like, oh, somebody's going to race the Aprilia RSV4. The bike's not even homologated, so I don't even know what you're talking about to race that bike in Stock 1000 or Superbike. So all you got to do is pick up a rule book and read it. So unfortunately, as the rules are written right now, that doesn't mean, Jason, that someone could get ridiculous and say, well, if you sleeve it down or Moto America could move the goalpost of displacement, which you don't want to do. Because obviously, you know, you have an RS660 Aprilia, which is already racing in the class to go up against a 776. Right. Plus that motor just doesn't make, what I ho- heard, that motor doesn't make like gobs of horsepower. It's not a motor designed to be a race engine. To be racing. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's it's meant to be a nice middleweight street bike slash adventure bike. And as an adventure bike, as a V-Strom 8 or whatever they, they're calling it, that entices me, you know, n- enough power to, to go highway speeds, but... Light and nimble enough to rip through the woods back yeah, here. That's cool, you know, with all the trees. Like, I look at that bike and I go, "Wow, oh, that that actually's got a lot of potential." I can't wait. Be kind of a fun bike, out.
1: right? Kind of a fun bike. Yeah. Is it, is this like <laughs> a is this a possible Greg ride into the races thing again? Because that's just yeah, priceless. maybe. I oh, mean, maybe. You're yeah. An
0: idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. I don't Why? know if I want to go cross country on a bike that makes you know on a
1: 700 twin though. That's a long way.
0: Yeah. Well, how fast mm-hmm. can you go?
1: You're going to go what 90 on the freeways? I mean, every bike does 90 on the freeways. Mm. You, yeah anyways well mm-hmm. well cool well, yeah, that's great yeah anyway so i just wanted to mention that so there's your
0: news presented by rye yeah that's all i, I got there, there's a ton of stuff but that's what i picked for today
1: yeah i noticed a couple of things like i saw that um i saw didn't didn't uh marquez test the bike with the fuels the different fuel you know he did and i read the press
0: release and i thought about it because i mentioned it like last yeah. week or the week i remember you mentioning but- it before and i saw it today but guess what, Jay? Everything went well in the test. It you know, didn't and make I thought, difference. well, it was more of a PR stunt than, than it really was a test. So, what Mark had said in there was like, you know, they test it in the lab, they test this fuel. So it's 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 forty percent non or biofuel or whatever, right? Mixed with sixty yeah. percent of of fossil fuels. And he said, oh yeah, you know, they test it in the lab, but they want to test it on the bike because there's variants like uh, humidity and temperature and all that kind of stuff. And Mark said the thing ran just like it runs with regular fuel. Yeah, so he so said a good it wasn't sign. much of
1: a difference, huh? No,
0: so it was more of a PR thing. I mean, it wasn't like Mark was going to come out and poop all over the fuel, right? And I'm sure. I'm sure it worked. Repsol's they do a great job with with their fuels and oils and all that stuff. So it was like great. Yeah. The the point being is that it's it's really as Repsol as a MotoGP partner and moving forward, that's what we're going to see here in a few years. Is that all that fuel is going to be that way? And that's what you know at large, people are going to move to, you know, because I just, not to get off in the weeds, Jay, but I just don't see how electric vehicles are going to have an impact on ATVs, motorcycles. You know, I just think that these alternative fuels are probably a better option, something that can be more made in the laboratory, that's going to burn cleaner, as opposed to that stuff. I mean, you know, how are you going to take an electric vehicle ATV and be a hunter in you know, the yeah, Northeast United right. States and have the battery dead by the time you get ready to leave. Yeah. You would, know, it's yeah. hybrid technology seems like it's more makes more sense. You burn a lot less fuel per se. And the, but there have been people working on hybrid for motorcycles. Man, it's just too
1: heavy, too big. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Plenty I agree. Moving parts.
1: I agree. It's going to so, be interesting how that goes. I also saw Tom Sykes sign with Pachetti Kawasaki for 23 over there on World Superbike. So that's going to be did some sign. News. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I saw. I saw the headline that said he was interesting. So good. So Sykes is back in World Superbike.
1: That's great. Yeah. I. I guess. I. You know. It's. Mm, It's interesting. you know he does all of his own managing. So maybe he's. I. I, It's weird to think again. This kind of goes back to like the the whole Petrucci thing, though, right? Like if I mean Sykes isn't going to be on the official team, and with the he has been struggling a little bit over there, maybe they're going to make some moves forward going into the season next year, but Pacetti's never really had well, they've never had a world champion ride for them. So and we know that he he is that. But you know, for him to leave the Ducati team in BSB and go back to World Superbike on I don't know what you would consider the Pacetti team to be. Maybe uh, But you're saying Pacetti, that's where Top Rack was before Yeah, I guess I did they have had a world but a world champion coming back to I mean, when I'm saying that Pacetti when toprack was coming through that was his first stop wasn't it he was there first yeah, stop yeah, that's what i'm saying there there yeah. a team Warcraft, that had shown they after, can win. so
0: yeah yeah, exactly but i'm saying it's not um oh my gosh i feel like it's that, a different
1: uh, scenario though because when when pachetti when they had when they had toprack there cuz they're they're losing lucas myas now who went there um he was there for 4 years myas was uh world super sport and world superbike and but when Toprack was there, if you remember, Kawasaki was courting Toprack pretty heavily. They wanted, I think, and this would be great for Steve English to talk to us about because they really wanted Toprack. And if you remember the thing that really crushed that was they took him to Suzuka and he never got on the bike. Top Rack literally like I don't even think I don't think he got on the bike during the race and that was pretty much it for their feelings as far as like toprack was like, I want to go somewhere else. Now. I want to go somewhere where a manufacturer 100% believes in me. They didn't want to put Top on the bike at the eight hour because they felt there was inconsistencies there and the chances of him throwing it down the road during an eight hour were high. I think that's how they felt. And, and uh Toprak was really put off by that. And I think that that's when the Yamaha discussions came in. So I'm saying that Pachetti then, when Kawasaki was really involved, it'll be interesting to see if their involvement... Is as much um, support to that team as there was maybe when Toprak was there. G-Dub. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're going. The only back way to a that's going to happen is if
0: if Kawa looks at Pichetti, I think, and says, "Okay, we have a resource who's ridden this bike. He was a factory rider just a couple of years ago. Maybe he can help develop it a little bit more." Now we have three rider maybe. input. That's the way I think they get factory equipment. But you know, Sykes, it's, and Sykes it's, almost it, landed here in the states. You know, we didn't talk about it much, but he was pretty close yeah. to landing here in the states last year. And yeah, he so, was. We'll see. If you know the thing is I wonder we haven't talked I haven't talked Tom about it, but going from a fully electronic bike with traction control wheelie control launch control, all that kind of crap going to b s b where there's nothing I can't imagine you know it it took him all season to win a race didn't it uh it did it did He didn't Sykes. win
1: till i guess he won at Donnington on the shorter course at Donnington, I think he won two out of the three and was you know there he was there in contention for the win in that third race, but um I think him and O'Halloran or something got- to, they got together um at that one, so yeah, so, I'm not exactly sure. I would what think I would
0: there. think he'd want to be back on a bike that he's comfortable on, you know, full electronics and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I understand yeah. what BSB's position is on it. I understand the cost factor. I understand all that kind of stuff. But racing in one country as small as England is versus racing around the world or racing you know, going back and forth across the United States and what's at stake and the money that's being spent to do that, it's just it's just a different ball game. So maybe, yeah. maybe Sykes is thinking to himself, I just want to get on a bike and, and, and develop the latest and greatest, most technologically advanced stuff or ride with it. But who knows? Um, but that's it as far yeah. as I know, Jay,
1: unless there's something else you can think of in the news. No, no, no. Those were the things I, I saw, um, that I just didn't notice you put in the rundown. And I know you talked about the fuels last week and then with, uh, Sykes doing his thing, but Greg, all oh, eyes this last weekend were at Valencia and as usual, MotoGP just, like I've said a million times, never it never seems to disappoint. And I don't know if you could think of a better ending than uh, Suzuki going out winning their final race. A better and sad ending, I guess, at, at the same time. I mean, they end up first and sixth in this race. Juan Mir ended up sixth. And if you watch that race, I mean, it was just so dominated by Renz at the start. And um, you know, it was incredible to watch just how he was able to Keep the pace up the whole time. He was getting chased the whole time, and you imagine the pressure that was put on him to to lead that race for as long as he did. Rinse just dominates the race, leads from start to finish, gets the victory over Brad Binder, who again GW continues to just impress me more than anybody. I think Brad Binder next year, if KTM can make some big steps and find the consistency at some of the tracks that they're not particularly great at, or some of the places where they. They can look back on their season, can't they, Greg, and go, all right, we weren't very good here. We weren't very good here. We weren't very good here. If they can make some of those changes, this guy can race on Sunday. I mean, he he is really, really impressive.
0: There's no question. And he was on the, new, uh, uh, the latest iteration of a new frame they're going to use in 2023. And the biggest thing was where they would start to lose grip and lose drive. He didn't. So he said the front wasn't as good as the older frame. But what really allowed him to push forward and do those lap times was the fact that the rear tire stayed good and it was still driving and it it stopped spinning so much. So there was a big step in terms of the frame. And so they're a lot closer because their power plant's good. Their power plant's solid. You know, it's it's on par with what
1: Suzuki's power plant is without question. Well, it looked like it was on par with Ducati's too. When they were coming down the front straightaway, it wasn't like it was getting smoked. I mean, it was there. It, It wasn't like... You know, if if you see that Ducati come out of the last corner in front of, let's say, a Quadraro, the Ducati, which is yard away from the Yamaha, the KTM could stay there. Like he, it was, it allowed him to stay close enough, didn't it? Yes, and yeah. that's where
0: that's the part of it. It's like, okay, great, we got a good power plant. Now we all know, you know. Again, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and talking about testing, but. Ducati already tested a new motor and it's got a little bit different characteristics, but it doesn't look like from the trap speeds we saw that the new motor that Ducati has is a a big horsepower step. It's not that as much as it is the way that it makes the power is smoother and the way the electronics are and stuff like that. So I just kind of look at it and say, okay, if I'm looking at it right now, KTM's power plant is right there with Ducati's power plant. Aprilia has got to be real close, one half a tick behind with what Suzuki ended up having. And then, you know, out to lunch. The Honda one, I don't think we have a really good idea. It seemed fast at the beginning of the year when they could find traction. But they're so mm. far off in their chassis, we have zero idea how fast that motor really is. We know that they that they were able to to make some steps in the last couple of years. But, you know, Yamaha, pff, whatever. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's well. another story we're going to talk about. But Rins looked amazing. Jay, it was, without saying it this way, I mean, basically... One of the journalists just said to Renz in different words, but is, is this a fuck you to Suzuki, you know, to, to corporate? And I was having a conversation with a couple of people in the know about you know Suzuki and stuff, and someone brought up a couple of days ago, like, has it not seemed to you that there is probably of the the manufacturers that are in racing, not just MotoGP, in all your time racing, you raced and won on a Suzuki. That there's the biggest margin between corporate direction and Suzuki's R&D program. Because would you not argue that Suzuki has made some of the best motorcycles in the world at times? I mean, they're the ones that came up with the GSXR, the innovative motorcycle. And think about how difficult it is for Suzuki, for anybody to build a MotoGP bike. And Suzuki was out, if you remember. They were gone for a number of years and they came back. And how damn good that motorcycle is right now it's so sad for, it's so like sad. that's you, what breaks my heart right like me it too. breaks my me heart too. to walk away that this bike is so good if it was an ass motorcycle i'd be like all right bye
1: suzuki well, Let me ask you this G W. do you think that do you think behind the scenes for the last year before they announced that they were going to leave do you think that they exhausted every opportunity in order to try to stay involved in this in in moto gp in other words like what if what if a gigantic company came along and says we're putting five million into the team and we still would like Suzuki's backing, but Suzuki doesn't have to flip the bill for everything. Like this whole thing being Suzuki's kind of, you know, it's, it's all Suzuki. I, I mean, doesn't it seem, it seems so strange that you have a bike that midway through the year, you've decided you're not racing anymore and you still have a bike that's still more competitive than arguably a few of the other bikes. Like, Mir, I know, hasn't really had great results to to finish the year being hurt and that kind of thing. But these two guys at the beginning of the year were at the front. They were at the front a lot where they were running in the top five together. And you'd arguably have to say that behind the Ducati, you know, you got the Ducati. and, And then what bike is really second right now? You can't say the Yamaha because there's only one guy doing well. I felt like when the Suzuki's were good. They were maybe the second best bike out there because both their riders were up front. Oliveira kind of shows up sometimes with Bender, but on any given weekend, the KTM riders are usually pretty far apart. This last weekend, they were only seven seconds apart, but it seems like one weekend Oliveira is up front and Bender's back in 7th and 8th or Bender's up front and Oliveira's back in 7th and 8th or so on. So it's the Suzuki, man, it is so good and it's so sad to see it just go away.
0: All right, let me, let's do this real quick, okay? Yeah, yeah. Let's rank the bikes in complete bikes, okay? So I mean, you have the entire calendar of racetracks. You have fast ones, you have slow ones, you have fast corners, slow corners, you have acceleration, you have top speed. So you have chassis handling characteristics. And I'm going to throw in a wild card here and looks of the motorcycle. So. Wow. D- Ducati just won the bike. All right, so you have Ducati. KTM, yeah. Suzuki, Yamaha, Honda, and Aprilia.
1: Hmm.
0: Give me the best complete bike on the paddock, in your opinion. I've written oh, mine down.
1: I've never got to ride any of these, as you know. Um, yep, but if I not. had to, if I had to, and this my, my thing hasn't changed since the beginning of the year, myself, I would like to ride the Suzuki. That would be my first, probably, just by the looks of it, It looks simple. It looks like a very simplistic bike to kind of get where it needs to go. And I think that we're going to see a lot of discussion from Renz and Mir and um, who am I forgetting right now? But Renz and Mir going to the Honda now. And it's like, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what those two specifically have to say about that. So I would probably. So
0: sorry. So Suzuki's number one. That's the most complete bike in MotoGP in your opinion.
1: For me, if like, let's just yeah. say, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. If all the bikes were lined up there and I'm like, okay, I get a shot at which one I want to ride uh, in, in, in order. I get to, I'm going to go get through 15 laps on all of them. Yeah, all right. For me, I'd probably jump on the Suzuki first. I'd be like, ah, oh, okay. unless I was going to go, unless I was going to go, you know, save the best for last type of thing. But if I was going to, if someone said, here's the keys. What one you want to go ride? I would right. probably myself jump on the Suzuki first. All right, Then what's it. the second bike you'd want to ride? I would probably go Ducati second bike, uh, because I'd want to know what back-to-back differences are between what I felt was the best bike and what we Mm -hmm. have seen to be the best bike. So I'd probably go that one second. Um, It would be a toss-up between the next two, because the KTM really, really intrigues me, but I would love to see where the Aprilia kind of ranks. So for me, those two are kind of almost a tie, and then I'd probably jump on the Yamaha Nah, 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 nah. No, 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 no. You got to
0: pick one. I got two keys in my hand, okay? Or whatever. I like two keys in I my got, hand.
1: I'd probably go KTM K- third, Aprilia fourth. Okay. And then I'd probably go uh, Yamaha then. Um, because I think the Yamaha would be maybe, might be the easiest bike to ride, but not at the pace that obviously Quattro is going. Um, but know yeah, that said, and then I'd probably jump. I, I really don't have a lot of big desire to ride the Honda. Like zero. I don't really have a lot of like good feels about watching it or seeing it, seeing how these guys are losing the front as much as they are. And it's all of them. It's not just a few. It's, you know, it's all of them. They, they go into corners and the front just tucks underneath them. And there's obviously something big that they have to change there. Even Marquez has come out and said, we can't win the championship on the bike that they showed up with. Even on Tuesday, they got to continue to work harder because, you know, GW, they were testing in Jerez on Sunday, the last day of the MotoGP. There was a test team at Jerez bringing that bike over to Valencia for Tuesday's tests. And Marquez just flat said, eh, not, it's, you know, it's not capable of winning. Quaderaro and Morbidelli have both come out and said that the engines are like there's something broken. Like it doesn't feel like the same motors they tested at Mazano So, but for me, I mean, I don't know. What's your order? Give me your order.
0: It's probably the same. I think that. Obviously, the Ducati won the championship. The Ducati is the fastest bike in a straight line, without question. But it looks weird to me. Like I like it, but it's just it looks like with all that arrow and all that stuff. It looks, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not yep. when
1: you see it in real life. It's amazing. Like, Whoa. Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously. Yeah,
0: but I I think I would agree with you. I think I would go Suzuki, Ducati, KTM, and Aprilia. I feel the same way you do. I yeah, okay. I probably okay. would switch. I would probably would put Aprilia on top of of KTM. Only because of the the really strong start to the season they had. Because I'm looking at it as the bikes I would ride because I think it's a complete motorcycle, right? Yeah. And then the Yamaha definitely in front of the Honda. Like the Honda, to to be completely frank about it, if you gave me the keys to a Honda MotoGP bike, I'd be nervous that I would crash it because (laughs) the top guys in the world throw the thing down the road all the time. And you know me, I'm not a crasher. Like I never really consider it. I don't really think about it because I know what I'm in control of, but right. like that thing looks like almost like a moto two bike where you'd just be in the corner, everything would feel good. And then all of a sudden it would just go. Whoosh, yeah. Scary. Scary. I mean, I yeah, have a lot more yeah. confidence racing riding a moto two bike than I would the the Honda right now. Yeah. And the Moto2 two bikes so are
1: finicky. Yeah. And they're not the easiest things to ride, you know? And, but you know, we had four KTMs in the top 13 this last weekend, which I thought was pretty impressive. I, fernandez and gardner so when you look at the results g-dub yeah i mean it's pretty impressive right you had a suzuki a ktm a ducati and a yamaha top four you know quadro did what he could and we'll get into the championship discussion in a minute obviously oliveira ends up fifth with juan mira luca marini ends up seventh um after a lot of promise during the weekend for luca marini bastianini ends up eighth which is a little bit of surprise to see him struggle as much as he did bagnaya ends up ninth and wins the MotoGP World Championship. He had Morbidelli following him closely at the end. And uh, we got to watch the whole last lap of ninth and 10th, even though there was a great race going on up at the front. Um, I, I wanted to mm. throw something through my TV. I'm like, can we just Dude, see what's going on yeah. between Binder and Rins at the front? Listen, I, please, I love those directors, please. but they were
0: just, oh, the whole race, they were just on Petco nonstop. It's so and painful. It's it like, going on. But you know,
1: I don't like, even understand mm-hmm. it. It's like, you got Suzuki winning their last mode. We know we look, it wasn't like there was a two point differential between Bagnai and Quaderaro. I mean, we there the build up to this, even though I know we have to build it up, it's like, come on, Quaderaro has to win, and Bagnaya has to finish fifth fourteenth uh, or better. Like, like, like it's not that big of a deep you know, a build up. Do you know what I'm saying? And dude, you and have just you have guys me around me him Yeah, you have guys
0: around him like Miguel Oliveira not known for taking anyone out. Juan Mir is a world champion. Luca Marini in the camp. And Aya Like, I understand that they were following Pecco, I think, because they were waiting for someone to knock him off the motorcycle. But it still wouldn't matter. If if Pecco was in the gravel trap, we knew by lap three or four that Quattararo did not have the pace. He made a push. He he got to the position. He closed the gap. And then that was the end of it. Like, he couldn't really make any push forward. And it was like yeah you know there there is no way and so i agree with you i would have rather gone up front
1: and seen what's going on with rins and and jorge build up the last build up the fact that suzuki's going out right now they're winning the race bag is going to win the championship we already knew that and it's great but like kt i mean this bender guy cracks me up he's like four or five seconds back like he is back there far enough he's trying everything to get by quarter as soon as he gets by him it was like the lid is off now now he can go forward and he's He's catching. I mean, what a great story to have a Suzuki and a KTM battling at the final round of the year with Jorge Martín on a Ducati. I, I mean, there was so many good storylines at the front, and we it was kind of already a, a, a given that Begnai was going to win the championship. He just had to ride around, essentially. Well, and- let me let
0: me ask you this question: as a rider, as a rider who's ridden against people on other manufacturers winning a championship, whatever, whatever. So, like the question, there, there was a ton of post race stuff that was done, including a really great interview with Pecco. I've got to you got to send it to you. Peko talks about the transition of his mental in midseason after he realized he's that guy. He's the guy yeah. who can win or crash, and he talked in that post-race about the mental approach and how he changed it and the people around him that helped him. Is is absolutely for a young rider, it's something that they should listen to because it was it was awesome. Because Peco admitted, "I'm that guy. I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm the guy who crashes uh, under pressure." And anyway ton of stuff at post race that was awesome i watched it all but what somebody asked brad binder was did you take you a long time to pass PECO because you didn't want to mess up the championship and then immediately i thought to myself who gives a shit what does that have yeah. to do with brad binder right he like he races care. for ktm he's got a job but then i thought well i got to ask jason about it because what brad ended up saying was no man the, the bike wasn't great on a full fuel load as the load started to reduce his front end felt better. So the new chassis, the front end wasn't as good as the old chassis, but the rear end was better. And of course, this is racing, right? So the person who gets to the next corner first wins kind of thing. So that's what he was it was holding him up. He couldn't make anything. Once the fuel pressure started to drop, then he made that move up the inside on Bagnaya and then started to move forward towards Quaderaro, like you were saying. Yeah. Jay, does it matter? I mean, you know, like what what would Brad Bender care about Quaderaro or about Bagnaya? I mean I understand that
1: He's going to be respectful. You know, I think yeah, he's yeah, going to be respectful saying, but... when he makes the passes, but he, he wants to go win a race. That's what I'm saying. He, he, he wants to go win a race. He wants to go win the race. It doesn't matter. Like all those guys want to win a race. I mean, I could promise you the lid was off for all the Ducati riders. Please, somebody go win this race. Anybody, beat, yeah. whoever beats Quattararo, <laughs> please beat him. Because if he went, <laughs> yeah. as long as we win the race, and, and for Ducati's sake, they loved, loved, loved seeing Rins control that race. They love seeing, you know, um, Bender coming forward during the race because it, it just—it was almost like that helps us. If either one of those yeah. two guys win this race, this is amazing. What a I mean, if I'm in the Ducati camp, I'm like, what a great story! Suzuki's going out there, winning the last race. We're winning the championship. I mean, at the end of the day, it was really interesting, wasn't it, to see Bagnaya and Quateraro start running into each other at the beginning of the race? Though so I thought that, hey, that was pretty was, clever. That was yeah, I loved else. it. And I think that for now Bagnia, I didn't watch. I didn't. I
0: didn't watch the race with the commentary, so I don't know. I just watch it with ambient noise, and because I can commentate, it's my job, right? But uh, I, when I saw the wing go off, and then I saw Peko yeah. struggling, I mean, immediately I knew, you know, that wing on the side is is a huge part of the downforce on the front end of the bike, which the entire yeah. bike is set up to have that downforce. <laughs> and then Peko was struggling, so I don't know if the if the commentators keyed in on it or not. But you know, if, if they were saying some nonsense, like always oh, just trying to protect his position or something, I have no idea.
1: But well, the I can thing tell I loved you that about it was pretty evident to me what was going thing, on with Peko. The thing I loved about what Peko did uh, and a very good scenario for him is to really focus on those first five, six laps of the race. I believe because that's where the separation can happen and be the most. And you don't want to be back in that battle for nine, ten, eleven, twelve at the beginning of these races because everyone's on fresh tires. Everyone's trying to hero job themselves to the for, to the front. And I thought Pecco did a really nice job at the beginning of the race. He got a great start, which is, which was very key. He got himself up the inside of Quaderaro. They kind of leaned on each other. He lost his wing, which was a bummer. But he kept pushing forward, especially on new tires, while the bike was still, I think, working really well for him. And he kind of was able to create, create that separation so that the field spread out. So halfway through the race, when the field is completely spread out, if he starts his downward fall going backwards – He's going to find himself that nice little spot that he could be in there, Greg, in the middle of the race or three quarters in where he can go, okay, I can count my laps off now. I'm not under any pressure from anybody and I'm going to, you know, win the championship. And I think that that's what he did a really nice job of controlling it. Where Cuadraro at the front was just full blown. Got to get there. Got to go to the, got to get to the front. You could see his struggles. You could see how he couldn't, you know, he couldn't get there. So he struggled a bit with that, which was a shame, but uh, you know, I feel that more of a shame because I turboed him and I did you do it? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it was, it was going to be difficult for him on this day, but the MotoGP, well, it was, it
0: was also difficult for Bagnaya. He's, he struggled yeah. in practice. He struggled in qualifying. Like it wasn't like Peko had the pace to win the race. If he had the wing, I think if you look at it, Pekko ends up what ninth? Jay, is that what he ended up? He ended up history? ninth.
1: Yeah, he ended up ninth, just ahead of Morbidelli. I mean, what, what do you think?
0: Home. Had he had he not lost the wing, where do you think he could have been? I mean, I think he could have been fifth at best. I,
1: yeah, because- and I think that when you when you play everything else out, though, when you play everything else out that was going on on that day, G Dub, I think that I think Bagnaya, if if he's if he had already won the championship or if he was out of the championship, he'd have figured out a way to keep himself up in the front. But in the big picture of things. Mm-hmm he could see at the front that Quatraro wasn't going to win. You know, he could see that very early. He could see that that probably was the case. And then pretty much at that point he was managing pit boards. I still thought it was pretty gnarly how close Bastianini rides to him in those conti- in those situations. True, I was man. like, did you notice that like for the last 5 rounds, and we've talked about it on here, but even at Valencia I'm like, why is he getting so close? Like I know, you know, watching it is a lot different than being there and riding and you probably don't feel like I'm sure we've all been that guy on a track there where it's like, you know, you see you, I've been there plenty of times where somebody's bitching about another guy passing him. And I saw it and I'm like, it wasn't even that close. Like it was nothing, you know, but it just seemed, I think there's going to be some pretty high tension in that pit next year. Bastianini has come out and said like, I was happy for Bagnaya winning, but I can hardly wait to beat him next year. And I'm like, Phew. I mean, shots are fired already. And I don't really know what the contention is between those two, but. There does seem to be a little bit of that. that. Hold on. That was the headline.
0: But when reading the actual quote, he said yep. that I hope to be able to beat him. You know what I, I mean? Like it wasn't him. as yeah. inflammatory. Yeah. The actual comments that he said. But I saw it. Yeah. Bastianini is not part of that VR46 camp either, is he? Right. Like, he's, the, nope. he's he's not part of it. So that's also one of those things. It's not like Bastianini is all BFF with Peko, like, right. you know, Marini and like all that that little clicky group of people. So I agree with you. I just think there's going to be fireworks because I don't think Bastianini's is going to give a shit. Like, yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to play second fiddle to PECO world championship or not. It's kind of sounded like from those comments that you're talking about that he went, Hey, congratulations. He won, but now we're teammates.
1: Let's go, let's go duke it out. You know, so it'd be really interesting. I think it's going to be really interesting that whole thing. So Morbidelli ended up 10th, just following Bagnaya around there at the end. And it's would have been really interesting to see what could have happened there had Quaderaro been leading the race. Quattararo's mm. two or three seconds out. Morbidelli gets to the back of Bagnaia. I don't think anything would have happened. I mean, these guys all have a pretty high level of respect for each other, I would think. But Zecchi ends up 11th in what was, for him, a very difficult weekend. I think he crashed three times, GW, and actually burnt one to the ground. So, but Zecchi struggled a little bit, ended up 11th. Raul Fernandez beats Remy Gardner in Remy's last MotoGP race before he goes over to World Superbike. Raul Fernandez obviously going to the Aprilia um and did a bunch of laps on that bike on that Tuesday Nakagami does end up finishing 14th Greg in a year for Honda where I mean this guy ends up 14th he's the first Honda only Honda that finished um in the points Alex Marquez mm-hmm. did finish 17th just probably well, he's a lap down so I, I think he picked his bike up after crash uh, Crutchlow also crashed to end up 16th but Desi Antonio I mean I'm not sure what's going on there with that kid but He's not even in the picture. Well, he gets he ends up. 50s, he gets a new.
0: So. He gets a new crew chief. So, Juan Mir's crew chief, you know, is who's wor- world champion. So, I'm going to wait to see how that relationship develops. Crew chief is really critical. If those two get along well, uh, speak the same language, you know,
1: all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, both the Spargo, yeah, it'll, inter- it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he does because he has been nowhere. And keep in mind, Gw, where was it that he got pole position? Was it at uh, was it Motegi or somewhere? He got pole position. I can't remember, but. It you know he's had a pole position, but he's not even been anywhere in the picture. Mm-mm. It wouldn't seem in a race for a while, and maybe it wasn't Japan. I'm trying to think, where did he get pole position?
0: Anyways, Dejan Antonio. Yeah, but he did, and he's he's had some good results mid season. He's, he's had he was there some for a second,
1: decent on yeah, a bike that like basically
0: rounds. anybody can ride. I mean, that's the other part too about. Ranking those bikes. I mean, the Suzuki, obviously, there's only two of them, but both got, both riders can ride them easily. But you have eight Ducatis, and they're all pretty dang good. So they've well, all had something going on.
1: Yeah. Paul Spargo, Darren Binder, Mark Marquez, Zarco, and Miller all crashed out. Vinales and Elish both looked like they pulled off after having problems with their bikes. So the Prilia, really for as much promise as they had at the beginning of the year, Greg, they, boy, did they struggle the last half of the season. You know, when you, La- last when you the watch quarter the race— of the season.
0: Yeah, when you watch the race with the ambient noise, you hear everything. So when they showed a pull in, dude, he was balling, like out loud balling, you know, because well, he wanted, thir- top, top he wanted third in that championship.
1: Yeah. And, it he, and, and he and he rode well enough for that this year. I don't really know where the disconnect is. To me right now, I don't see a big – we've seen this Vinales experiment now. He was there all year this year, a little bit of last year. He seems like the same guy that was at Yamaha to me. One weekend, he's going to be there. He's going to be brilliant. And then he's going to have no result at the end of the weekend. And he's going to talk about how much they need to work on the bike and this and that. I don't see a big difference. I don't know about you, but I don't see a big difference there with him in regards to um, the differences between where he was when he was at the other manufacturer. No, it looks the same. And and the couple people that
0: I know that are Maverick Vinales fans, we talked about, we talked like in the last couple days. And the hardest thing for a, a Vinales fan is is he is the same guy. And he's very hard to root for because he's going to give you a weekend where you're like, yay, I'm so pumped I root for this winner. And then he's going to give you more weekends now where he's off the pace or pulling in the pits or it's it's hard. But
1: when I went to MotoGP, anyway. it was on Dub, I had two people tell me that Vinales was going to win a race this year. They're like, he's going to win this year. He's that good. Like he he's really, really good. And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I could maybe see that because it's like he rides really did. hard. He rides really well, but man, it's and you're exactly right. There's a couple of races this year where he's on the podium. Didn't he get like fourth, third, second, and it was like, you know, there, there's a buildup here. here he like, comes. what's going to happen? He's, and then, yeah, yeah. Then next thing you know, he's running around a 17th, and you go, what is happening? And I, you know, and and Alec beat him throughout the course of the year. Pretty much, I can't think of it too many weekends where he didn't. So mm-hmm. Elise had the better of Vinyales most of the season. So, um, and I think for Peko, you know, just kind of clearing this off. Bagnaya winning the championship this year. Um, you know, I got to look at it, G-Dub, and I got to think to myself when you look at it. And I don't like looking at things like this because overall I still, I still kind of have the mind of the racer. And you have to be able to finish the races. And you have to be able to, you know, you never want to take anybody's championship away from them. And I definitely am not doing that. They are very well deserving. Ducati put a lot of money, a ton of resources into this. They've supported MotoGP with more riders than any other manufacturer. Huge congratulations to Ducati on that end of things. Uh, and huge congratulations to Bagnaya. But, man, you got to feel for Quattararo there, those last four or five rounds where, I mean, to give up a 91-point lead, that's, that's pretty gnarly to me to give up that many points. And, you know, when you see him slide off at Australia and you see him uh, getting um, tough results at some of those races towards the end of the year... I mean, to give up that many points. And to Cuadarraro's credit, with I think it was, and we talked about this, right before they did the back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, remember the three rounds in a row? Cuadarraro yeah. basically said, these are the three rounds that we are going to struggle the most. These are the three rounds where the Ducati will be much harder to beat. And he was, you know, I think, I mean, obviously he was right. And those were the rounds that cost him the championship.
0: Let's, let's compare... What happened to Bautista in World Superbike compared to what happened to Quadraro? Do those two feel the same to you, or do they just no, feel different?
1: Feel completely different. It's weird, isn't can it? You, can you tell me why? Why do those feel I, different I, to you? It's a it's a pretty thing. easy one when you think about it. You'll 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 agree with me when you think about it.
0: I mean, I can reason it away. The Ducati was new. Bautista comes out, catches everybody on their back foot. He's a talented rider. You know what I mean? The other teams the developed. Ducati,
1: the Ducati and World Superbike in 2019 was the best bike on the grid. It was a GP bike, right? I mean, that's what people I mean, were it was the best bike about. on the grid. He showed up at Phillip Island and those guys never saw which way he went and he won the first 11 races. That guy won the first 11 races going away, like making it look simple. The thing that caused Ducati to lose the championship that year was the rider, not the motorcycle, 100%. Mm hmm. This in this case, when you look at what happened this year, you've got one guy fighting essentially eight Ducatis, but really, when you look at it, there was probably five because you got to look at Bastianini, you got to look at Martin, Bagnaya, Miller, and then either one of the of the VR46 spikes on any given weekend, whether it be Bedzecchi or or Marini, those guys were those guys were difficult. The G. Antonio didn't really play a part. Zarco never really played a part. So, but Cuadarrillo had no help and he's probably on our list, the fourth best bike out there. But where does he rank as a rider? I mean, Cuadarrillo to me is, uh, in a perfect world, it would be really interesting to throw all these guys on what would maybe be the best bike. You know what would be fun is if you had all five manufacturers and these guys could go out and ride all five of the bikes and see whose lap times would average out to be the best. So... When you look at the best rider, I, know, I, that's not even, it's, it's like, it's almost not even fair to comment on that because this year, Bagnaya won, r- won the rider. most races. Yeah. I mean, Quattararo to me is amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so, bag, so mid season, Bagnaya said
0: that he feels that Quattararo, when Quartoraro, Quart was leading the championship, he yep. said, Fabio Quartararo is a much more complete rider than I am. So, asked after the championship, journalists said, "Do you still feel that way?" And Peco said, "Yes, I still feel that Quartararo is more of a complete motorcycle rider than I am. I'm getting better. I'm always going to learn, but Quart still is better. And so, I—I I mean, I would really think that, like the way that I see the whole thing unfold with equipment." Into consideration, uh-huh. I still think that Mark Marquez is still top of the pile. I man, I was just say, do we
1: even talk about him anymore? Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, of I, course, but, Yeah. But in
0: terms of talented riders and things, because he gets on an absolute shitbox of a motorcycle and still able to to get on the podium. Now Honda didn't win a race all year, first time in forever they didn't win a race. But you look at it and you go, okay. I think Mark is still the top of the pile. I don't think that his skill level, anything's diminished. I think he's going to continue to get stronger with the shoulder. Now, with all the help you're talking about with Rins and and uh, Mir in there giving feedback, that things are going to be good. I think Quadraro is probably number two on my list, and I think Pecco's number three. You know, But I think that those two those two are very close in terms of their ability. The thing with Pecco is, is that mentally, he made a ginormous step midway through the season and was able to really you know, get some things sorted with himself and stop that tendency of pressure and all that stuff. But Jay, yeah, the pressure was so enormous that he didn't even, Pecco didn't even go to the celebration party afterwards. He had a massive stomach ache. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but I've been under a lot of stuff like where it's been a lot of pressure. And then once the, once the situation of pressure is over, it's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden I get a cold. Like let's say I'm traveling for three weeks. Yeah. Where like, like you're just exhausted. You're you know what I mean, or, or yeah. in his particular case, he had a stomachache, so he didn't drink anything Sunday night. He recovered yeah. a little bit on Monday, and he said he had a great test on Tuesday, because he the the, the decompression of all that championship pressure made him sick, of and course. it's like oof. But here's yeah. the thing, he did it, and so now he knows that he can execute under pressure. You know, and yeah. so that is like the next evolution in your mental strength and your mental ability is knowing that you've been able to do it because the reality is nobody knows how they're going to react under pressure until they're under pressure.
1: Right. No, I agree. And I think that um, I agree with you. And I think that especially your first time where he's in that position to win the MotoGP championship for his first time, um, I think, it, it, man, it's got to take a lot out of you. And um, he seemed to handle it pretty well. I was really impressed with him at Sepang. Battling the way he did with Bastianini to get that victory, I thought that was he put in a lot of good rides this year, a lot of silly little mistakes that could have made his season a lot easier for himself uh, to 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 win the championship. But that's kind of how these championships go, G. W. There's there's always yep. going to be be big highs, there's always going to be big lows, there's going to be times where you're like, oh, he's out of the championship, he's not going to win it. And then you see Cuadraro make a few mistakes. Um, you know, I just feel like Cuadraro's mistakes were because he had to push a bike that was was not it's as good Johnny as the Johnny Ray rest. mistakes that we saw at the beginning Correct. of the year. Right? Yeah. Same yeah. same type of situation. It's, you just don't you just it's it's one of those situations and when you're on inferior equipment, it just makes it a lot harder. You know, I you know when you look at the season and, and it, it's kind of a fun podcast to do, there was some impressive people this year that really, really impressed me. Um I would tell you that Bender impresses me, but I already thought he's impressive to start at the beginning of the year. I feel like this guy, in my opinion, will be a title contender next year i think if ktm could give him the bike along with miller in the sense of whatever miller is going to bring over from ducati that can maybe help improve the ktm and make it better i really believe that Binder could be a title contender next year because of his ability to put things together on a sunday and get consistent results he's not a guy that tosses the bike down the road a lot i love watching his interviews he's always smiling he always looks happy he's kind of like a silent assassin a little bit you, you know you just talked about Cuadrado, Marquez, and Bagnaya as being the top three riders, and I and I agree. Riding perspective wise, those are the three that we would have to look at. I really think that you know the two other guys that come to mind, three other guys, really are are, are Rins, Bender, and Bastianini, and I think anea is going to be big problem for people next year. I think anea Agreed. Bastianini is going to be a big big problem for them. But I would not be surprised to see Bender get himself closer. Where did he end up in the championship this year, GW? Is he top 5? I'm just trying to pull it up real quick. Um He yeah, he ended up 6th in the championship, sixth. one one point behind Jack Miller. One point. So if he wins that race, he would have jumped himself to 5th in the championship. Mm-hmm. Now, I bear, I promise you that if you talk to most of our listeners um that don't know that you know, if you just put them on the spot and say, "What do you think Bender finished in the championship?" Most probably would have said 9, 10, 11 maybe. Because I probably figured he, he might have been seventh or eighth. That would have been my guess. He ended up six, one point out. And they get that KTM a little bit better. I think he's going to be hard to beat next year. I really worry about the Hondas still. Like, I worry about Alex Renz. I think Alex Renz is incredible. I think he's better than Jawan Mir. I think both those guys are going to struggle on the Hondas unless there's a huge improvement that has been made. Um But I think look, I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. Yeah, Honda
0: has lost a couple years of development because of injuries off season for Marc Marquez. It's just, it it it, MotoGP is moving so rapidly, and it's not in the engine and stuff. It's it's in chassis development, and it's massively in aerodynamic development and electronics development. And I just think that they're behind the eight ball because I don't know if if Honda just couldn't choose who was going to be a leader on that team, or if nobody stepped up in Honda. Because they weren't getting the results to lead the way. But Jason, you and I have had this conversation on this podcast before. When you and I raced in the same class on the same bikes, your chassis guy tried to help me out. But I am three to five seconds slower per lap than you are. And he eventually said, I can't help you. You don't go fast enough to ride the suspension that I tune. Right? Like it was a valuable lesson to learn the more you go. And you know this as well. If you don't practice at race pace. You could go in the race, and all of a sudden, you're a second quicker, and you've uncovered chatter problems that weren't problems. there before. Yeah.
1: Like
0: This is, I think, what Honda is facing, the lack of direction on development, the lack of the person to push the bike. So Mark goes out there, goes faster than anyone, and all of a sudden, the bike is unknown. It's unknown yeah. to Honda. So I think that this is a critical, absolute critical off-season that Mark Marquez is healthy. He had one, you know, he he, he did only 50 laps because he was so like, listen, I, I tested the parts that they tested and I went as fast as I could and and we haven't made a step. I mean, he was pissed after that test, Marquez mm. was, but he, hopefully he's given enough feedback. He wanted to know the comments that Mir and Rins made immediately after riding the bike first. He wanted, Marquez wanted to know those comments to see what they said. And basically, good luck having a you know Christmas break, engineers at HRC. Because yeah, if you're serious luck. about trying to compete in the MotoGP title, you've got to come up. Because they don't test again until uh, uh, February, right? And some, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, they better come correct. Because Marquez is going to be miserable all year. And the problem with Mark is he he doesn't know how to slow down. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's got, he'll hurt himself again trying to keep up with everybody else if they don't provide him with a package that's
1: writable, raceable. But don't you think that... There's one manufacturer right now that I can think of other than Honda that probably holds their breath every time a practice session starts or a race starts because they are the exact same boat as Honda right now. If Quadraro was to get hurt, where are Yamaha? Oh my gosh. They're in the shitbox I mean, again, aren't they? I mean, when you what, think about why, it,
0: why wouldn't why wouldn't Yamaha, uh, you know, the factory pull the plug on the MotoGP
1: effort? <laughs> but they, here's, if, the thing, if here's the gets thing. Here's the thing that but here's the thing that I never understood—that I was really thinking had the potential of happening. And you got to remember, we're thousands and thousands of miles away from where any of these decisions are made. But I'm—I'm I'm thinking to myself: when Suzuki does what they did mid-season and gets rid of their MotoGP-like uh, team, my first thought was the smartest thing that Yamaha could do to probably save themselves a lot of money. Yeah, it's going to cost them a lot right now. I would have gotten rid of Morbidelli and I would have got Alex Rins on the phone and said, we need to have you come over here and get this bike going the same way Quattrara goes. They need riders that are going to be able to get that bike where it is. Now, Morbidelli, regardless of whatever the issue is or whatever, whatever it is, he has gone three steps back. Ever since he hurt his knee and he had all those races off and then he's come back. He has been a shell of himself. He has not even been close. This is a guy that finished second in the world championship, what, two years ago, Greg? Didn't he finish yeah, second with in the championship, Tamir? Second in the championship, two thousand twenty, barely. barely
0: he won three with, with races? Three race wins, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy, was, he, this guy was doing what he needed to do. And it's like, now he's not even close. Like, he's not even in the picture on weekends. I can't even think of times where it's like, if you see him in the top 10, you're like, wow, Morbidelli's doing all right, like in practices or qualifying. This would have been a prime opportunity for Yamaha to go, okay, we can go get a world champion in Juan Mir, or we can go get Alex Renz. Let's get one of these two guys and get them on our bike because we got to figure out what we can do. We need somebody to run second fiddle right now to Guadalajara that could be a potential. I think that that the Suzuki and the Yamaha have some characteristics that are very, very alike that maybe a Renz coming over could have helped Yamaha explore some things that Suzuki has done. I mean – it's no secret, G-Dub, that when these guys move on to other teams, especially like right now, like a Jack Miller, he's going over to KTM and he's going to be telling KTM the things that he found to be successful over in the Ducati mm-hmm. team. It's not, at that point, you have no connection with Dude, Ducati, How, how about nothing, this? right?
0: So so someone asked Rins, will you be asking Suzuki for this motorcycle for your house because you won two of the last three races on it? And he said, oh yeah, I'm going to ask. If you're Honda, would you not go to Rin's If he got that bike, hey, can we borrow that for a couple months? Can we look at some just, geometry just,
1: on that thing? See, where yeah, it's let's at? just tear. It, let's yeah. just
0: tear it down. We'll we'll bring it back to you. You know, in all because I mean, what's the difference? Suzuki's gone. I mean, you know, if you remember How back, insane in the day, is it that we were
1: talking about Honda though in that position. I know. I mean, Honda, they,
0: f- Honda would never for- do it because of pride. Like they would never for do it. Our- I understand that. Yeah, but. If you remember back to when Scott Russell rode for Harley Davidson, that VR one thousand project, they went to um they went to Rob Muzzy and they bought Scott's ninety three championship winning world superbike to do exactly that, Jay. Right? To measure geometry and to I think they even did some like stiffness tests on the frame and all that kind of stuff. Cause Scott was yeah. like, Hey, my my ninety three bike is better than this ninety nine or whenever he rode for that team. Yeah. And uh, so, I, I mean, it's been done in the past. I don't know if it's ever been done, you know, at that level, obviously. But this is a an ex- different cir- circumstance and situation because Suzuki no longer competes if friends right. was able to get his hands on that bike.
1: It's just insane. I mean, like, the whole thing is crazy to me. But when, when I sit there and I go to our races right now, when I'm in a Moto America race, I mean, Honda, for you and I, in our lifetime, GW, Honda was yeah. – they were the they were the bullies. Like, they Honda were. was the teams that was – like they were the bullies all along through my career. Everybody they had the most market share.
0: They had the most market share. They had the, the, the most money. They had the most influence. They had the strongest teams. Like everything was Honda. Everybody right? wanted like to beat Honda. Honda was Everybody. the dream.
1: Yeah. And and now you and I on our podcast just said that the Honda would be the fifth bike that we'd want to ride in the paddock or six or however many there are now. Wait, I mean, it's not even in our top three of bikes that we'd want to ride. And it's so incredible to think that that is the case. but. I can tell you right now, Yamaha is in the same boat. If Quattraroli slips out of the bathtub and, and breaks a foot <laughs> and can't ride at the tests, they're in a lot yeah. of trouble. You know, they're in a lot they're of trouble. Massive. And I think that when you sit there and you think about it in those realms, I mean, right now, at least at Honda, okay, at Honda right now, you have Rins, Mir, Marquez. You've got three solid guys. Nakagami to me it's just not that guy anymore at all. Like it's just you got but now you're going to have influences from these other two that are going to be hugely impactful for Honda. They're going to get every bit of data from that one test on Tuesday and try to come up with all right, we've got to do some household changes here because also GW, along with those tests in February isn't that when the manufacturers have to decide the motor spec and all that however they're going to have the yeah. bike for that year. Yeah. So there is a that is going to be a huge pressure situation for uh, for Yamaha. Now, when you talk about, go ahead when you talk about Yamaha, GW. When you talk about Yamaha, Cal Crutchlow was the second best rider this year, in my opinion, for Yamaha, and he only. I mean, I mean, he was. I I was so impressed with Cal Crutchlow. Maybe more so this year in his impact in the series. Um, coming in, taking over for Davizioso, who we both, I said at the beginning of the year, there's no way Dovey finishes the season. There's zero chance that that happens, and it was true. Crustle comes in, and he was was having better rides and better results than anybody else other than Cuadraro on that bike. You
0: know what I would do if I was Honda? If you're really serious about your GP stuff, I'd be on the phone with Sylvain Gintoldy right now. Yeah. And I would put him in the test program alongside um, of, um, oh, my God. Who's our test writer at Honda? Um, German guy. Oh, Brattel. Brattel. Sorry, Steff- sorry, Stefan. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Stefan. So yeah, I would, sure. He's I, would, I would literally create a second development team, and I would have those guys doing multiple laps, and I would have Gintoli do it because he is as much a part of the development of that Suzuki as as Mir had had, you know, alluded to when he won his championship, thanking Gintoli for his work. And Gintoli, I, as far as I know, is out of a job because he's no longer the Suzuki test rider, obviously. And I don't know what else he's got going on. But I mean, like, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be mm-hmm. I'd be tapping into Gintoli and saying, okay, I'm not trying to make the Honda Suzuki. What I'm trying to do is make the Honda more rideable. Because the, the, the problem, Jason, is that, like, it's not like you could take a bunch of kids who graduate from college with engineering degrees and even focused on PhDs on motorcycle development and could get them into MotoGP and create. A, a competitive motorcycle. Yep. You, MotoGP is an evolution process. It is a process from an engineering standpoint that is taught by older engineers to newer engineers. Newer engineers come up with more innovation and the teaching is evolutionary. And the problem with with Honda losing a couple years of development, it's HRC and we look, you and I go, but it's HRC and they have tons right. of money and all this, but they can't just shit out great motorcycles. They've proven yeah. that they can't. And that's the problem is they've lost a couple years of evolution, but in the same breath, this is the aggravating part of Suzuki leaving because Suzuki has done that with their engineers and they've worked their way into a great team with great people and a great motorcycle. And that someone sitting in a boardroom in, you know, in Suzuki headquarters just goes, yeah, you know what? We want to go to EV stuff. We need more electronic vehicles. Let's go ahead and pull the plug, get rid of this five or six or 7 million euro or 20 million euro, whatever it is we're spending. And we're going to put it towards EV. And we're sitting here as, as, as fans and, and people that are experts and stuff going yeah. but do you know how difficult it is to develop a good MotoGP bike? Not to mention the fact that you guys just came up with a new engine spec for 2022 And that thing can run with a freaking Ducati. Like, Do you you know how hard it is? And yet you have people that are disconnected going, eh, 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 MotoGP. Surprise, everybody. We know we just renewed our contract with Dorna for five years, committing to five years. But by race four of the season, we're like, eh, we need to make uh, electric ATVs that no one's going to use or whatever. Or electric cars. You know what I mean? Very specific for – because Suzuki vehicles, by the way, in Japan – they're highly, yep. they're highly sought after. Like they have great reputation, yep. they have great sales, they have all that stuff. So I, I understand that. But if you, if they've lost it, but that's where it's hard to reconcile. But anyway, look. Enough about MotoGP because we're going to talk more about what's going to happen. Testing. We're already an give hour me into this thing just because this what? will be fun.
1: What? Let's talk who wins Moto MotoG- G- My- Who wins the MotoGP World Championship next year? Are you kidding me right now? Let's just throw it out there. Who you got? Mm. Who you got, G Dub? I already well, know. You're going here's to say. the thing. Here's should thing. I write? Should I write this down? Since you and I are looking at each other, I'm going to write, write this it down.
0: down. And write not, it down,
1: and, and then and then. Now this is this is this is not fair no, because no it's not no fair
0: pen because pen. we haven't yet. Yeah, like you have a pen somewhere.
1: I'm it's so not close.
0: fair because we haven't seen what these teams are going to do in winter testing. No. So this is obviously who, who, before.
1: Just, uh, let's just do this like as being who is your early favorite to win the championship. Going into next season, who is your? I don't
0: think you. I don't think you know. I don't think you know. I, I think. Really? I think one dollar says you didn't call it right. Okay, because this is my. Oh, but, but, all right, let's
1: let's let's. I we, think I, I got it written down on this piece okay. of paper. Okay. Of who I think I, to, who I think is going to do it. We'll see if we're <laughs> close.
0: I think Pecco is going to repeat. To you. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why I think Pecco is going to repeat. That, you know what's so funny because I thought that and I was like, you know what, I know. I bet that that's who you thought because I thought about Bastianini. I really did. I, I yeah. think that he's got he's got a lot of tools in his toolbox. And I think that he is better under pressure than Pecco. The only reason I think Pecco might repeat is because he has made such a mental mental step during the course of the season and even bigger because he proved to himself he can handle the pressure of the championship. And I think that he comes to 2023, a more relaxed person, which means more, even more of his talent is going to come out because he has got more at the moment. He's got more consistent speed. Now, as it relates to the test, the beast, Bastianini said, Ooh, this 2023, because remember he did it on a 2022 bike or sorry, yep. a 2021 bike and he, 2022, he got on, and the 2023, he was like, "Well, this bike's even better on the rear. It's a lot more mm-hmm. stable on acceleration than I've had. The engine's a lot smoother." Blah 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 blah. So even though he tipped off in in you know that one day and it ended his test early, I think it's a toss up. I agree. So let's go ahead and let's let's do it. All right, episode 197. You and I we're gonna put one dollar. A dollar. You think it's the beast? I think it's Pecco. One dollar to the yeah. winner. I think
1: it'll be interesting. Okay? Now, who's your wild card to win the MotoGP next year? When I say wild card, I'm talking about it could be anybody, obviously. But we both picked who we think might win the championship next year, correct? So as a a wild card, as a this could potentially happen, who is your guy to do that? I know who
0: you're going to say. I know who you're going to say.
1: Well, you write it down. Let's see what you think.
0: Okay, this is what I think you're going to say. Okay. I'll tell you who
1: I'm I'll tell you who I think is I know the guy. Who you
0: want. I want I know who you want but I know who you're gonna pick
1: okay I tell this you I'll tell pick. you who I think is the wild card don't put don't show me yet I'm gonna tell you who it is after okay. you've written it down all right so you got it written down so I think wild right, card so I have for two me. I
0: have one that you're actually gonna pick and one that you want to be the wild card but go ahead
1: <laughs> okay I like I like how you're thinking because you got to think that there's going to be some movement next year. There's going to be a lot of things happening. And I think this depends, again, on how well teams test and all that stuff. But I really do believe that Bender could be the guy next year that could be a wild card
0: to win the championship. All right. But who would you want to be the wild card to win the championship? Well... Just because you love him
1: so much. And well, I know you're talking about you Rins, wear... but Rins ain't doing anything on a Honda. He's not doing anything on a Honda. So yeah. So what does it say? What, what does it say on my list? I see Rins. Oh, my want is Binder. Yeah, my yeah, my pick is no. Yeah, your pick was Binder. Your pick Bender. was Binder.
0: Yeah, and then you, I love your
1: want love Rins. I, I do. Yeah. I don't know. I just think Rins the way he rides. I can relate to some of the things he does on a motorcycle, even though I've never mm-hmm. spoke to him. Things that I see that he does, I go, wow, I like how he does this, or I like how he does that. So it's probably a little bit of my man crush. Yeah, you're probably correct on this. It's just something about Renz that I, I think that his full potential is going to continue to be brought out, and I don't know if it's going to happen on the Honda though. Right? What if Renz or Binder were on a Ducati? You'd be like, hmm. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. So, so my my wild card pick
0: for the championship. Yeah, has to be it's it's got to be Quadraro. And the reason I say that is because if Yamaha can actually give them the motor that they thought they had at the test, which I still think it's the motor, I think there was something else electronics going on, like like holding back the motor for some reason, because it was really weird because, yeah, Crutchlow, like you said, had just tested the bike and he, he came off that bike saying it's an absolute ripper of a motor like he was quoted as saying that by like like Lynn Jarvis or something. And then everybody was scratching their heads going, where's our motor? The bike was right. actually slower than than the bike from last year. So something yep. it wasn't in the motor, and and Morbidelli had kind of said that it's not the motor. The Motor ran great. It's just like they didn't have any power. So yeah. my guess is it's something electronic. But I think because the two guys that I would pick for wild card, obviously, and you, you asked for one. Yeah, that's I have it. to put I have to put Marquez in there, and I have to put Quinteraro in there because they know how to collect points. They do. You know, they know how to put a championship year together where. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that Binder at this level and KTM as a, as a team has yet to be able to figure that bit out.
1: And I don't know if Yamaha and Honda can continue with development enough to get closer. Those are the two bikes that we said we would like to ride the least. I think if KTM can give this young man a motorcycle consistently weekend and week out and go back and look at the places that they struggle he is a guy that moves forward on Sundays. Doesn't matter if he starts 14th; he's going to finish top seven. He's, he's a guy that, like, if he starts in the top two rows, he's a contender for a race win. So those are things. Now I'm going to give you one last one, just because this is kind of fun.
0: Give we'll me we'll do a, Moto two and Moto 3 next week, okay? Because we I still want to yeah, talk about yeah, yeah, the test but but so we'll talk about talk
1: but about. but real quick, let's talk real quick about who would be a surprise top five next year for you? Looking at this field, looking at people. Who is a, su- a surprise top five that that I even feel – my my guess is going to probably surprise you a little bit. But a potential top five guy next year, uh, I'd be interested to see who you think that that would be. I'll let you start, and then I'll show you who I picked. This is who you picked because it's who I picked. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Miguel let's Oliveira. See. Interesting. I think that um, – No, you didn't uh, so- pick him? I didn't. I didn't pick him. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes top five. If that Aprilia is as good as it seems like it is with a lace on it, I think Oliveira is better than Vinales, even though Vinales has won many more races and, and this and that. Oliveira on a KTM, you got to remember, G-Dub, he has won, what, four or five races on that KTM in the three years that he was there? Super impressive. Very strange to get rid of a guy like that to me. He can ride in all weather conditions, too. you got to think with 21 GPs, mm-hmm. there's going to be some rain races. That apparently could go to the front with Miguel Oliveira on it. I don't think that would be as big of a shock to me as a top five is the guy I'm going to show you. And you're going to lose your brains when I tell oh, you yeah. who I think could be a First potential surprise, top Top five, five. yeah. Okay? Okay. And that's who I picked. DG Antonio. Oh. Really? Alex Marquez. Yep. And I'm going to tell you why. This guy- okay has lived under the umbrella of his brother for the last three years. He's done shit all on the Honda. He's put in a couple of decent results. His motivation during the off season is going to be so high. And I think that if he could keep the bike upright, I think he has the potential to collect points. Whereas this year he was crashing a lot. Now, if he can get away from that, it's almost not even fair to talk about Honda riders as being crashers because we've seen so many of them fall and so many of them have the same problems. I think that knowing that you're going from arguably the worst motorcycle on the grid to the best bike on the grid with a team that has shown that they can win races in the Grassini team. uh, I think on paper, many people are going to look at this Grassini team and go, wow, Alex Marquez and and Fabio Giantonio, what a step back. But this is a make or break year for Alex Marquez. If he can get himself around, if he can get himself feeling comfortable on the bike, I didn't see how his test went. I didn't see what his initial comments have been. I haven't seen any of that. But I think this is like a guy that has gotten a huge opportunity in front of him to go out and show that he can ride at this level, a level that many people don't think that he can ride at, probably.
0: And and he he's won two world championships, a Moto three, Moto two He knows how to collect points, you know, which Correct. means he could collect points for top five. I agree, and I think he's a lot more talented than he's been able to show in Moto GP. And I think it's been good that they didn't punt him like they did with Remy, and you know, and
1: with uh, I agree with Darren Binder. I don't think he was going to get yeah. that just because of his brother alone. I mean, he could have got back to Moto2. But for him right. to land, I you know, I thought for him to land on that team, on that bike, he's going to a race-winning team on a tremendous motorcycle, and he's becoming part of the Ducati family. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it. I think for Alex Marquez, there might not be all those guys are motivated. But as far as, like, this guy during his offseason in those mornings when it's freezing, wherever he's at, he's going to be up early getting his runs in, getting his pedals in motivated yeah. to know that he's going to that team so moto gp next year I, is going to be I think he's, really interesting he, i think he'll
0: be on a 2022 bike and one of the, one of the things that the riders were commenting on from ducati during the test and we're going to talk about test results here in a second was the fact that the 2021 bike to the 2022 bike was a big jump and that's why you saw ducati struggle at the beginning, beginning of the season they were still trying to figure some stuff out the 22 to the 23 bike is just a minor evolution so yeah. like they there that's why optimism is like super high in that camp because nobody feels like they're going to have the struggles that they had where Bastianini was the fastest guy at the beginning of the season because he was on the 21 bike until Ducati kind of got it sorted out by like race four or whatever. So let let's let's talk about the test, Jason. Because yeah, do it, do it. Yep. Well, well let, let me back up and let's say this. Okay, so let's talk about the MotoGP 2023 season provisional entry list. You have Zarco staying at Pramac Ducati. You have Luca Marini remains at you know Mooney VR46, Vinales on Aprilia, Quart and Morbidelli on Yamaha, Bastianini moves to the factory Ducati Lenovo team, Raul Fernandez goes to Aprilia, Nakagami stays, Binder stays, Mir goes to Repsol Honda to team with Marc Marquez, Augusto Fernandez goes Tech 3 Gas Gas factory racing, all right, so he's the only rookie in the class. Alecia Spargro remains at Aprilia. Rins to LCR, Castrol, Honda. I know you'd rather see Mir and Rins have switched that position, I would think. Mm, yeah. Jack Miller moves over to Red Bull KTM. Pola Spargro going to Gas Gas Factory. Unbelievable. What a smile on Pola Spargro's face, dude. It just,
1: it was unreal. Well... That said, even when you mentioned Raul Fernandez, did you see he did the most laps in testing on Tuesday? He did like 80 mm-hmm. laps on that Aprilia. I mean, that yep. kid was dying to get away from where he was. It was obviously <laughs> dying you know, to
0: get away. Dying yeah. to get away.
1: So, and then he goes he, and gets on a new
0: bike and does more
1: laps than anybody.
0: DG Antonio stays at Grassini Ducati. Bagnaya stays at Factory Ducati. Bedzecki staying at Mooney VR 46. Alex Marquez, Jason just talked about a Grassini racing on a Ducati. Miguel Oliveira goes to Aprilia. Jorge Martin stays and Mark Marquez stays. So with that in mind, there were, I think, eight riders or something like that switched. So when we look at the test results after one day Mm -hmm. of testing on an unchanged bike, basically, uh, Luca Marini ends up leading the way at a 130 flat. Then Maverick Vinales, Jay, here we go. Right. Mr. Tester, 130.2 or Mr. Practice goes 130.2, just a tick ahead of Bedzecki, who did this almost identical time. Miguel Oliveira on the Aprilia was fourth. Aleish, fifth. So you had Aprilia three in the top five at the end of the day. DG Antonio, Jason, I mean, goes Oliveira, p Oliveira.
1: Oliveira's the guy that comes blaring out
0: at you, though, there, isn't it? It does for me. Binder yeah, was me in too. seventh. Martín, Quartararo ninth. Big surprise there. We all thought with the new engine, he was going to be top of the pile or close to it. Bastianini in 10th. His He only did 54 laps. Jason said, so Maverick Vinales did 89 laps. Okay, Amazing. he was out there pounding pavement. Martin did 76 laps. Uh Morbidelli 88 laps. Pole 86 laps. Alex oh. Rins did 91 laps. Wow. JT. So they
1: did more laps than than Fernandez did even. Okay, got it. Augusto Fernandez did yep.
0: 83 and uh let's see, was that
1: 24 23 91 laps from Rins, and he was, you know, 20th and what was the fastest mm-hmm. Honda? I didn't see g Where was the... The fastest Honda is... Mark has in 13th. Correct. Interesting. And he only did 50 laps. But so- I have yeah. to... Th- yeah. And I have to think that... I don't know what all these teams tested. I mean, there's going to be some teams there that tested quite a bit of new stuff. Like You know the Honda and the Yamahas were the two that really needed to do more than anything. Uh, and I think that when you look at... Uh, I don't know what KTM was testing. Aprilia, obviously, three in the top five. Again... Um, I didn't see these results. I just pulled them up with you now, and looking at it, it's it's. I mean, Oliveira, he could be a wild card to win the championship next year. We saw what Elise did on that bike this year, and Oliveira. I mean, what a boost for that RNF team, huh? What a yeah, boost. tremendous for those boost. guys. Now l- wow. l- let's
0: qualify Valencia, Jay, because Valencia yes. is a strange track. It's a unique it track. Is. It's it's different. It's, isn't it? it's not it's not Daytona characteristics, but it's almost like uh, Qatar and Valencia are the two oddest tracks that you have on the calendar so a lot of the riders were kind of reserving you know had reservations about saying like this is going to set the stage for what the championship's going to be because like you're saying some riders had nothing to test that the tires were exactly the same like the same allotment that they had right so the tires are the same so and and they were doing that on purpose so some of the riders get along with this track it doesn't necessarily mean if the bike's good or the rider's good at this track some are shake you know learning bikes and stuff like that but it was interesting to see some of the bits we did see. We saw Yamaha with new arrow on the bike. We saw, you know, Honda, you know, test a variety of things. We saw Ducati do very little because a lot of the stuff was kind of in the motor department, so a lot of it was touchy feely stuff. They tried a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, Honda had fair, excuse me fairings that looked like Aprilia and whatever. So it was it was a, it was a hodgepodge of stuff, but it was good to watch new riders on new bikes go out and pound. I I would almost rather see. One more test with at a different track, mm-hmm. like at the end of this week or middle of this first week, so riders could get a second impression. And then you don't, you're not on the motorcycle now for three months or two and a half months before the right. test in February. Right. But right. Schedule is what it is. The testing teams will be very, very busy, and we'll see who becomes uh, a riders that 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 bikes get developed around. But nonetheless, I just think. The, the, the question mark i have is sixth place dj antonio does his Crazy, new yeah does his new crew chief work with him on tuesday Was that a big step for him you know but he did it late he did he did his fastest lap 66 out of 68 which means to me he put a soft tire on it put a soft marquez tire never put 100%. a soft tire on it right he, he did fit his 50 laps pulled in said there's nothing here for more for us to test oh, and man, 50 laps ugh. But but look, Nakagami's in nineteenth place. He was one point zero off of the lead.
1: Like it's it was tight, it's snug. Yeah, and it, you know we do see that a lot, don't we? I mean, we see that it's tight kind of at the, a lot of times. And I'm looking at Juan Mir. He did his quickest on sixty of of seventy three laps. Rins did his mm-hmm. quickest on eighty five of ninety one. You almost got to think that he put a tire on too to go thirty one point two. Maybe he didn't, but you know, six laps from the end of his day. I, I find it hard that he's yeah. going to be motivated enough six laps from the end of the day doing 91 laps, six laps from the end, he goes out and goes his quickest. That's probably a tire. That is a huge like, ugh, in, in the and when you look at the Honda thing again, it's Honda's 18th, 19th and 20th. I mean, Jesus. And you got Paul Spargros, <laughs> 16th, uh, Alex Marquez. Like I said, I didn't look at any of these. So he was 15th. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he develops on this bike too. But um, yeah. It's going to be interesting G-GW, GP is so fun to watch. And I know we spent a lot of time on this today, but GP uh, has been a ton of fun to watch. And 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 I'll close it on this. I saw where uh, Ra- uh, Augusto Fernandez, who just won the Moto2 World Championship there in Valencia, um, jumped on that bike on Tuesday. And he says, there are so many buttons I have to push. There's so many things <laughs> I have to do while riding yeah. this motorcycle that it's going to take him some time to get, you know, get used to doing some of that. And I think that they're highly, highly sophisticated. It kind of bums me out that some of, you know, back in the day, journalists could go ride these bikes and, uh, you journalists could go ride MotoGP GP bikes. I remember Nick Iannach and Lance Holst and some of those guys in the past had the I was opportunity. Invited. I was invited a couple of times. Oh, it's amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it'd be so fun now if that was still the case. Cause I know a few of the journalists like, like Randy Skaysbrook and guys like that out there that, it would be so neat if they could go out and ride these motorcycles. Even Michael Gilbert, um, it'd be fun if they could do that. It's not even available to them anymore. But Moto GP, Greg, is super interesting, super fun. We'll talk Moto 2, Moto 3 next week because we ran boy an hour and 20 minutes into this thing already. Basically talking about all that was Moto GP for us this year. Tremendous year, a lot of fun. Why don't you kick us into fantasy?
0: So Moto <laughs> Moto GP fantasy. Who I ended up 20th myself personally. Amazing.
1: Really but, good.
0: But um, yeah, it was, you know, the thing about it was, is I had mentioned this before. If you were foolish enough to put to leave Pecco on your team, and even more foolish enough to leave him in gold, you you were out of it. But at the end of the day, a uh, HeyMF, which is Mike Falcone or Mike Falconi, he ends up coming from behind and beats your precious three WSMC champs. Which I'm glad <laughs> in one way because now we don't have to give away three or I helmets. But what ended <laughs> up happening was. to 2,088.5 margin of victory. The biggest deal was 105 points for AMF to 79 for uh, three WSMC champs. They, uh, you know, they, they, I don't even know if they had a turbo left. If they turboed somebody, it didn't work out. They did. My boy,
1: Rusty is kind of, I've been talking to him a lot. And I think you've met Rusty a couple of times or maybe once, but anyways, I, I talked to him on the way to Chuck Walla last week when I was on my drive out there and he was talking to me about the whole thing. And I'm like, well, who's on your team? He's like, I'm not telling you, you know, all these guys behind us. I'm like, you're in
0: 299,000th place. What do you care? No,
1: but I, but he thought I knew the other teams, the other guys on the team. I'm like, well, yeah. if I told them what you were doing, I felt like saying, If I told them what you're doing and they did exactly what you did, they're never going to catch you. So, um, yeah. you know. But the problem was, is he, I think they turbo Jack Miller, which I'm like, well, that's a big risk. A lot they of people Miller did. they turboed Miller at Valencia and that's what ultimately cost them and killed them. And, uh-huh. but, uh, yeah, you know, the neatest thing for me is his fantasy is brought out like, it's great. Cause I don't get to see Rusty anymore. Um, he lives in Arizona and it's, I've heard from a number of different people that are in this, in this fantasy pool of ours that I don't normally have gotten to get to hear from. And so it's kind of allowed that to happen. But G-Dub, you end up 20th. That's, that's, that's really yeah. good. That's pretty damn good, I have to say. It was okay. I had a I had a first quarter
0: kind of slide and then was trying to dig my way out of it. So I, I feel pretty good about top 20. It wasn't last year where I was second, but I was okay with it. The other thing I want to comment on, by the way, Jay, if you look at it. So we had 345 people. And obviously, HeyMF ends up winning a brand new uh, Arai helmet. <laughs> And yeah. he's really pumped about it. I already got him yeah, connected congrats, with the Rye. Yeah, Yeah. Um, if you go and you look at... Everybody in the U.S. is involved in the MotoGP Official League, which is the Worldwide League. And you look at the United States as well. In the Worldwide League, Jason, there are 58,550 people that ended wow. up playing in the league. And if you look at where HeyMF ended up in the World Championship, I believe he was... 30th he was 30th Amazing. in the world really shows you the strength shows you the strength of our league now me i finished 20th in our league and i finished 1537 so still you raj know, ended pr- up
1: 15th just in front of you like five spots yep
0: and in the uh, u.s yeah in the u.s jason 3,800 people that's we got to work on that u.s fans 3,800 people so we had nearly 10 percent of all the people in the u.s just playing in the greg's garage pod with jason pridmore league but AMF ends up second in the United States by two and a half points to team Texas. So, yeah. and three SMC champs ends up fourth in the, wow. yeah. In last place, who is seventh or third in our league was seventh in the United States and, uh, a Bernardi, seven Oh five ninth in the, in the nation. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. good stuff. Very strong league. We cannot thank Arai enough for supporting us. Yeah, uh, They're going to, to yeah. Yeah, they'll be in it again for the league that we decide for Supercross coming up season as well as the MotoGP League. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to to do some
1: more stuff, it's, you know? Yeah, I would too. i would be fun if we can get a few more people kind of going. I see my boy Justin at Fight Club. He ended up 29th, kind of far back. How about Simon ended up 25th? Simon had never done this before. And that's all he good. talked about was, that's all he talked about was like, I'm moving up. I'm moving up. He kept on telling me. So <laughs> he moved up and uh, it was fun. I G-Dub, I know it sucks. I ended up 234th, which is actually pretty good for me, I think, in this league. And um, You were in the draft. Oh, And I kept moving up. Like the last five rounds, I moved up to 234. So yeah, it was a bit of an embarrassment. I, hopefully I learned some things. Now on the flip side of that, I uh-huh. won Uncle Skip's league. I won that yeah, one. Yeah, you did so you did did you, so that did you was, get a big fat check to your wife I got a nice I mean, little payday in my Venmo from Uncle Skip yeah I got really, some money too and I have no idea what I won but I got a little no 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 you won the you won the one between like me you Chuck um Uncle Skip I forget oh
0: I forget that one you know what I mean okay. yeah
1: yeah. Yeah, right. yeah 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 that's the one you won in because yeah and that's great do you I see mean, how many
0: DNFs I had in Uncle Skip's league this year
1: well, you didn't DM. start. I think you've been excluded from next year because you just chose to not participate.
0: Yeah, I had 12. 12 I think Tim,
1: Tim's the other guy, I think, in our league, isn't he? Tim
0: Rockwood? I've been excluded. So anyways, I'm done. I'm off the list.
1: Yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're I, off don't, I, don't, I,
0: don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Hey, hey, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? What well, are you going to hey, do? do? You know? Hey. I, so, I, I needed to make it a priority in my life, and I didn't, and I apologize to the And it's the easiest one you.
1: you could possibly do. Like, it doesn't get it doesn't get any easier than uncle skips league and it's so simple and it's so fun to you know you just got to choose one guy a week that's it it's like how all right can you not so do anyway that?
0: world superbike Dope. the penultimate round of world superbike is happening in indonesia and jason alvaro Batista on the cusp of winning it he's got a couple rounds six races to do it in like he doesn't have a lot of pressure you know there's not a ton of chit chat what I I mean I love World Superbike and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens and if something turns around and somebody else wins the championship great. Right. What I'm also interested in more I think for some reason is that the first super concession for Honda is in play and from what the riders had said today posted on worldsbk.com was that there's not much change but there's a little bit of adjustment change adjustability change in the super concessions. But this is a new track for them. Both okay. these riders yep. have never been to the track, so they'll just be going off of data. So we know Indonesia, literally, they can have, like, flash rains. So it's kind of fingers wow. crossed for, yeah. for a dry race weekend, which probably won't happen. The Honda guys are hoping for it. But that's going to be that first step to see if this super concession thing makes is going to make a difference because the Honda bike itself is fast. It's it's Ducati level quick. It's just a matter yeah, of getting it around corners. But what's yep. your thoughts about what's coming up with World Superbike this weekend? Starting by well, tomorrow because we're doing this so late. It's or like now starting or today, right. It,
1: what's What's great is is I'm going to get to watch it today. I think the first sessions in six hours from now, that's going to be World Super Sport FP1. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna watch all of it tonight. I'm gonna watch World Superbike sure. FP1. I think starts at like six o'clock my time, and then FP2 is at nine. So it's perfect for me. Um, yeah, G- yeah, I right. think, yeah, it
0: Starts in six hours and twenty two minutes. Yeah, yeah, 30, yeah. So. So six yep. hours from two o'clock. So it'll start at 8 p.m. East. Tonight. Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So, so five year time. I'm, I'm, uh, no, I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on. I can see that Johnny, uh, Ray and top rack have both already just downplayed the championship. Now it's basically like top racks just going there to win everything. Whatever happens, happens. Johnny's already kind of dismissed it. So this, I have no chance anymore. Johnny's mm-hmm. just going to go there and do, do what Johnny does, do the best he can. Um, and just get himself, um you know, try to get some race wins. uh So yeah, I think that that's kind of what you got to look forward to right now. In those in those conditions, we don't know what it's going to be like down there. I, up you know, I don't know what it is, and this is just a, a, I guess a, a perspective. The track doesn't really do a lot for me. Like when I watch it, it doesn't it doesn't captivate me. Maybe the we've way agreed on that.
0: It's not like a track that, that we, I want to yeah. get on a plane and go ride.
1: Right, like just like that plenty. track in check now. Most, I, it saddens me that that you've got oh, Bruno around the corner that's gone under. I guess it's getting developed now. Um, condos and stuff are going up there, which is sad. Oh, but no, really, yeah, that's, that's what I'm hearing. That 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 Bruno is officially done. Um But the thing is, is that is that there's a couple tracks. This one doesn't really do it for me, and I think that it look uh, all Batista's got to do is roll around at this point. Willie, I don't know this track. Doesn't have any really big long straightaways. Um, the front straightaway there doesn't seem huge, so it'll be interesting to see if there are other people that can be in contention, like a Scott Redding or any of them up at this track. Uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the second guys that we talk about, like Alex Lowe's and and Rinaldi, they're going to be in contention at this track. And then I think that you know when they go to Australia, the Ducati is going to be head and shoulders above everything else there. So. Um, yeah, but I'm just stoked. I'm glad that today's the day. It's Thursday. I get to watch racing. I'm going to be home on the weekend. I'm actually going to see our boy on Saturday, um, who joined us in the booth a few, you know, a couple of years ago. Brian Loans from Michael NHRA. Jordan. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go see Brian Loans down at NHRA Winter Nationals at Pomona. I'm excited about getting down there Saturday and checking that out. But I'll be on on the case for World Superbike all weekend as well. Cool. that's
0: awesome man i'm gonna do the same thing i'll be able to watch world superbike before i get on a plane and head off to california monday you're coming out here yes coming out going to button willow looking forward to that so we'll 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 tell you more about that when it's happening on tuesday
1: yeah G Dub and i are going to be out there together we'll bring some stuff there i'm sure on that as far as what we're going to be doing are we planning on doing a podcast from out there
0: yeah yeah we are i mean
1: we yeah, so I got to bring all my shit with the, me.
0: The track the the day we're doing gets over at five, and then there's a dinner a couple hours later. So no, you don't. I okay. I I have a mobile podcast kit. So we just I've got to carve some time out, probably you know around the three or four o'clock hour. I, I would imagine, and then we can sit down, and find a place. It's it's probably going to be a loud podcast with motorcycle vroom vroom noises in the background. But yeah. uh, you know we'll do it out kind of in an open area. So if people want to walk by and chat <sighs> with us, they can. But yeah. no, I have a whole mobile setup, so you don't have to bring anything with you. I'll have it all. Love weekly.
1: it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's either
0: that or else we won't get our podcast done until much later, and you know we want to talk about World Superbike and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's we're gonna have a fun couple of days. I'm gonna actually stay out there because I got a I got a tournament out there, so I'm gonna stay out there probably all week, and uh, you know, and do that. So Bakersfield not me out. i'm back
0: on a plane wednesday morning back back east Are you? and then i won't be back out to la till december That's something i can't talk about until january but it'll be fun yeah. so anyway that that'll do it our podcast thanks everybody for going so deep into this one if you're still listening at an hour and 30 minutes or so yeah in, amazing a little bit i had to cut out but uh so yeah I don't really know the exact time but it's been it's been fun moto gp season like jason said was awesome and uh, I like that it came down to the last race of the year, and I did really, too. congratulations! I, I I sent a a, a DM to uh, to Paulo, congratulating him, and he thanked me for that. So that's pretty. We cool. will we'll plan on having. Um, I talked to Jason Wygant yesterday. We're going to have him on in December. Talk about Love it. What's coming up with Supercross, all that stuff. Uh, we, we're planning on having Paulo Chabadi on the podcast at some time, probably in December. I'm sure we'll get to talk to Cameron Bobier as he returns to the states after his Moto2 career and get to talk to him. So we got a lot of exciting stuff with World Superbike Still two rounds to go in this championship coming at you.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, we still got two rounds, like you said, G Dub, and I'm excited for those to see who's going to step up. And then you know, even I think a, a World Super Sport Championship can be decided this weekend with Dominique Aguerta. So he would be a double world champion this year after one in the Moto E Championship, and he's going to Superbike. So. There's a lot of storylines. I know we're going to have Steve English on the on the blower as well sooner or later because he's coming out here, Greg. He's coming out here at the beginning of December to hang out with me for like eight days. So we're just going to be talking motorcycles, doing some golf, and having a good time. So we got to get him on here as well. That'll be a blast. And, uh, you know, for all of our listeners, um, thanks again. This has been a good podcast. Hopefully MotoGP brings us some excitement again going into 2023. G look forward to seeing you. Safe travels out here Monday. For everybody else, have an awesome weekend. We'll talk to you soon later.